Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, did you know that some of the world's best-known inventions came from the minds of kids? They serve as an inspiration for young people and for all of us to dream big about the future. Also this morning, if necessity is the mother of invention, the story of how Khalid Parekh is helping his fellow immigrants and other underserved communities overcome obstacles to financial security. It's a true example of the American dream at work. The Finley Trojans off to a good start under new head coach Stefan Adams will preview week number two of the high school football season. And we have more easy and delicious recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, August 27th, 2021. Of course, the big story yesterday was the uh, bombing, the Hamid Karzai airport, uh, Kabul uh, in Afghanistan, as that uh, situation continues to deteriorate. And I was... Uh, glued to the television yesterday watching the uh, coverage uh, of this uh, just terrible event. And uh, I was watching uh, ABC News Live, their uh, online uh, all-news streaming service, uh, yesterday afternoon for the uh, latest news. And it really struck me at one point after the... Uh, After the bombings had happened and they were reporting on this, they were speaking with an Afghan woman from Afghanistan, from Kabul, um, I think via Zoom or via Skype or or something. And at one point during the interview, you could hear yet another explosion go off in the background. As a matter of fact, uh, she interrupted her comments, uh, what she was saying to say, oh, there goes another bomb explosion. And. I didn't hear that reported at all. I thought, oh, my goodness, here's here's another one. And yet, through the coverage out the, the rest of the day, uh, there was no mention of it. And it suddenly I suddenly realized that you can't report on every explosion, every shooting uh, in that region right now because there are so many of them. It's only the ones that turn out to be a tremendous loss of life or some uh, major result, because if you reported on them all, that'd be all you'd be talking about. And uh, it's just, it's it's stunning when you think about it. And one of the things that this woman uh, said uh, while she was being interviewed, she said, maybe this is our destiny. Maybe we are supposed to die at the hands of the Taliban. And I thought to myself, what a sad commentary on the desperation. You could hear the desperation in her voice uh, as she said that. And and just to have given up hope. It just seems like so many people there have given up hope. And it is uh, just uh, so sad to see. And also uh, probably says something about the fact that not every problem in the world can be cured by American intervention is what maybe we are learning. No matter uh, how noble our intentions, we cannot fix all of the problems of the world. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it made me think for all of the dysfunction in this country, uh, I will take American dysfunction over the dysfunction of that part of the world anytime. So that's 
just really makes you appreciate uh, everything that you have. God bless uh, our troops there, and uh, certainly the families of those who were lost uh, yesterday. Just a terrible, terribly uh, tragic event. In other news this morning, Wendy's is getting a makeover for their fries. <laughs> Did you hear this? No, seriously, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, Wendy's fries are getting a makeover. The fast food company uh, is claiming that its fries are going to be hotter and crispier than ever before starting mid-September. And although they may look the same, the president of the fast food chain, Kurt Kane, says that there is going to be a noticeable difference in the taste. The uh, company spent the past four years upgrading their fries, and officials say they have perfected the process of making them. He says the new fries are on track to outperform the old ones and put an end to disappointing and inconsistent fry experiences. So that's big news. There is that. Uh, other stories among the first things you need to know this morning, some of the uh, big news. Um, Tim Hortons has uh, brought back a slew of fall favorites. They are the latest to hop on board the pumpkin spice bandwagon. Their pumpkin spice latte, pumpkin spice iced cap, pumpkin spice timbits, pumpkin spice muffins, and the pumpkin spice glazed donut are all available now, though whenever the chain usually uh, it says they're available now through whenever the chain usually pumps the brakes on pumpkin pumpkin flavored everything. So there is that. I want to make sure that you're aware. Yesterday it was, was it yesterday at uh, Starbucks uh, or uh, earlier this week? So we've been following this. I mean, it's something the, you know, the annual rollout of pumpkin spice everything. And while we're on the subject of um, corporate marketing and new products, I saw this on the newswire and I immediately stopped in my tracks because I said to myself, who needs this? From the makers of Flamin' Hot Cheetos comes Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. <laughs> I, I, that, that was my reaction, too. I, just, I was stunned into silence. Both the soft drink and Cheetos are owned by PepsiCo which has decided to merge the two brands for what it calls one of our most provocative beverages yet, Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. The company says it will be a combination of sweet and spicy and will be available starting Tuesday. Fans can purchase the bright red Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew beginning Tuesday along with uh, merchandise. They've got some swag, as sweats and hoodies and... All of that coming out here in the next couple of weeks as well. So this is a, I don't know, it does not say whether this is a limited time thing or whether this is going to be a permanent addition to the flavor lineup. Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. Why? Just why? Why would you? Anyway. This is something that will probably cause a lot of discussion. See what you think about this. The super popular video game Fortnite is launching a new experience called March Through Time in which players can go on what is called an immersive journey to see Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech from 1963. Yeah, a virtual I Have a Dream speech. They've created this whole world. It takes place in a reimagined Washington, D.C., 
where Dr. King gave his famous speech, a trailer from PlayStation appears to show players to be able to attend the speech, hold signs and clap along as a video recording of the speech plays. USA Today reports the experience also includes quotes and teachings, as well as quests to be done with other players. So there is a video game component to this. And as you might imagine, there was some criticism on social media blasting Dr. King being likened to a video game character. However, they point out that the whole thing was developed with the support of Dr. King's estate. Boy, I guess, in a sense, you want to teach kids history, you meet them where they are. And where they are is playing video games. So I guess there is something to be said for that, but I just don't know what I think about that. Again, I, it's not aimed at me, so I, I guess if it uh, draws kids in and they learn a little something along the way, it is what it is. By the way, speaking of uh, teenagers and video games and online and all of that, it turns out that spending time online does help teenagers cope with stress. But, and this is the caveat here, a little time goes a long way. Researchers at Griffith University found that teenagers who engaged with technology in moderation uh, bounced back from stressful situations more readily and experienced smaller surges in negative emotions compared to adolescents who don't use technology or those who conversely routinely use technology as a coping mechanism. So you don't want too little, you don't want too much. You find that Goldilocks just right sweet spot there. Researcher Kathy, uh, Kathy Modecki says, we found there is a Goldilocks effect. She actually used that term in which moderate amounts of online coping helped mitigate surges in negative emotions and dips in happiness. In the face of daily stressors, when adolescents engaged in emotional support seeking, they experienced better short-term stress relief. So, in moderation, technology can be a good thing. For all of the, for all that we hear about uh, the negative side of technology, there is, uh, is a good thing. And uh, being that it's Friday, I wanted to pass this story along. With the weekend coming up, keep in mind that everybody needs time to kick back, but a new study finds that it is a hard sell for some Americans. Researchers from Harvard, Rutgers, and The Ohio State University in joint research found that the, the more people saw leisure time as a waste, the less they liked leisure activities. Uh, also, those who saw leisure as wasteful were less happy and more depressed, more anxious, more stressed. Rebecca Rezik, co-author of the study, says we live in a global society and there are people everywhere that hear the same messages about how important it is to be busy and productive. And once you believe that and internalize that message that leisure time is a waste, results of the study suggest you are going to be more depressed and less happy no matter any of the other factors, how much money you have, where you live, uh, all of that. So... If you have been led to believe that leisure time, me time, time away, time to rest and recharge is wasteful, don't believe it. It is certainly valuable and we need it. Something. Like that.
good message on this Friday morning. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your day started. WFIN News. I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert weather. Mostly sunny skies today, but a chance of a shower or thunderstorm and a high of 89. Wyandotte Public Health has released its latest COVID-19 figures. The department reports that 77 cases are active in Wyandotte County. That's an increase of 9 in just 48 hours. Of those, 51 are unvaccinated. Two Wyandotte County residents are hospitalized with the virus. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 46% of Wyandotte County residents aged 12 and over are fully vaccinated. The current rate of transmission for the county, as well as most counties in Ohio, remains at high, meaning that the CDC guidelines recommend wearing a mask while indoors in public places, while also following other precautions such as frequent hand washing and social distancing. Some Ohio health hospitals are pausing elective surgeries due to the uptick in COVID cases. A spokesperson says some locations will do this if surgeries require overnight stays. The move is meant to free up staff and hospital use. Grant Medical Center in Columbus is one of those facilities pausing surgeries starting on Monday. Ohio Health Hardin Memorial Hospital in Kenton is the nearest Ohio health hospital in our area. A spokesperson at the Kenton Hospital says that this pause does not affect Ohio Health Hardin Memorial at this time. A data analysis shows that Ohio schools have received more than $6 billion in federal pandemic relief money. ONN's Daniel Barnett has more. The review of federal data by the Associated Press found that the median total per district in Ohio is $2.7 million, and the median spending per student is over $3,200. Columbus City Schools received the most of any district, followed by Cleveland and Cincinnati. Many schools used the money to hire more teachers and counselors, purchase equipment, and offer summer programs. Katie Anstat is superintendent at Washington Local Schools in northwestern Ohio. She called the money a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, would you be surprised to learn that some of the most common inventions that we routinely encounter in our everyday lives were originally conceived out of the highly creative minds of children? Randy Landrino is president of the Inventors' Rights Advocacy Group, U.S. Inventor, putting the spotlight on a number of kid inventors who quite literally changed the world. And Randy, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. I, I have to admit that this is something I never really thought of, but when you uh, think about it, it does make sense. Some of the most creative minds uh, that I know are those of children. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think maybe we're most creative when we're children. And as adults, uh, we, we tend to maybe a lot of us move away from that. Uh, but I think we still have that ability within us, uh, which is what uh, inventors really uh, thrive on, for sure. And the, the other quality that uh, children generally have that is important for an inventor is that idea of they have no preconceived notions about what can't be done uh you <laughs> kids don't know that something is quote-unquote impossible they just have this idea and then run with it yeah no no you you definitely uh you're definitely onto something there and 
in fact, this is the case actually with adults too. Sometimes it's a matter of just kind of messing around with things and trying things out and uh, you end up just maybe as a pure mistake coming up with something that's, uh, that ends up being really valuable. Yeah. In fact, one of these children is a kid named Frank Epperson, uh, age 11. And he basically was, was t- you know, mixing things up in various concoctions with water and powder and water and, and actually, actually left one of them outside overnight and it was cold. Next day it was frozen solid and that was the first popsicle. <laughs> so there you go, the invention of the uh, popsicle. And where would we be uh, without popsicles in the summertime? <laughs> in fact, it's interestingly, interestingly, it was patented and it was called the Epsicle. His, his last name was Epperson, so it's called the Epsicle. <laughs> there we go. So we've actually been uh, saying it wrong all along. So they, we learn something new uh, every day. You've got a couple of other uh, really interesting examples of things <clears throat> that most people, uh, again, never uh, would have imagined that sprang out of the uh, minds of children. Yeah, well, one of them, another one that's kind of interesting to me. So this this child, uh, I say child, he was sixteen. George Nissen was uh, watching uh, trapeze artists, you know, and he saw him, you know, fall into a net, and he thought, well, gee whiz, if that if if that net was a little more bouncy, that'd be a lot more interesting. And he basically invented uh, what became the trampoline. How about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, just a uh, just a simple uh, thought. And again, these are the types of things that kids will think of. And then there's Braille was actually invented by a child. The language that uh, that the blind used to read uh, was actually invented by a child. Yeah, Lewis Braille, age twelve. And uh, by the way, this just shows you too. If you invent something, uh, you might be able to name. You know, you can name it after yourself. Right? Sure, exactly. <laughs> and become famous. But, uh, yeah, he, he uh, had a severe eye infection when he was young. It rendered him blind. And when he was 12, he learned of a method of silent communication used by the French military, and he simplified the process, and which ended up being Braille in 1924. So, so obviously, a very, very valuable thing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of things, <clears throat> like when, when we look at these various inventions, like think about, think about the popsicle or, or even the trampoline, you know, those are those are more like uh, in the fun area versus maybe the right. you know change the world kind of area. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to fun, fun is fun is an important thing, um, and and children typically um, maybe are a little more uh, able to uh, uh, pursue fun than than some of us uh, boring adults, right? But some of the best inventions from adults as well are kind of geared for they're actually from adults who are thinking about doing things for children. And a, a great example is an invention uh, called Bunch of Balloons. This is the invention that allows you to make about 40 water balloons at a time. Have you ever heard of this one? <laughs> I have not, but I am intrigued. Well, so, so this guy named Josh Malone, he lived in Texas and uh, had eight kids, right? So, and, and he was really you know, into water balloon fights and, uh, when he was a kid, but then he got, get, you know, has a bunch of kids, so now they can have water balloon fights. And, you know, to make water balloons for eight children for a big fight, well, that's, that takes hours and hours, right? Because yeah. you have to do them one at a time. So he, and now he actually was a guy who was from Texas Instruments, was an engineer, was working on all kinds of high technology stuff, as well as had, had kind of left that and, and become, was trying to be an inventor, had come up with some products, had, had kind of, it was kind of hit and miss. But here was something he really had an interest in. And he finally invented this way to fill about 40 at a time. You can actually do about 100 a minute. I mean, you hook this thing up to a hose, they fill up, you shake the device, and they fall off sealed. I mean, you don't, you don't even have to tie them. Oh, wow. And, yeah, yeah and it was fat, 
fabulous. And I, I he put it on Kickstarter and it went crazy. It like his his target was maybe some some typical amount like fifty grand, and yet it raised like close to a million dollars, right? How big of a game changer has that been? Uh, things like Kickstarter, where people can get those inventions out uh, almost overnight to the entirety yeah. of the universe. The thing that Kickstarter, I mean, the theory of it is great. The thing that Kickstarter does for you, let's say you have a project or an invention, you need, you need a certain amount of money to, to, to really get it going. And it might be a matter of you got to buy the, you know, pay for the mold to, to mold it or do, or do whatever to get the thing, you know, to, to basically start your business of producing it. So with Kickstarter, you're pre-selling the product. And so, so in Josh's case, he needed a certain amount of money to actually get things going to actually be able to produce it. And, um, but so the people who are donating for the Kickstarter campaign are going to be getting the first version of the product. So it, it works beautifully. But I see, I tell you what though, this brings up the negative side of Kickstarter, but also what's happened to our patent system that's really important. Um, and that is that, so two days into his, Josh's Kickstarter campaign, uh, it was just going totally viral. I mean, he was even, he was even invited and showed up it live on on the Today Show in Times Square, New York, having a water balloon fight with the host. Right? <laughs> this is you talk about viral, right? Yeah. So so anyway, a large American company that basically is the biggest as seen on TV company in the country. Um, unfortunately, they look for products like this that they can just jump on, and they did with this. They bought one of his through his Kickstarter, and they shot a commercial with it. And suddenly the market is flooded with his product before he even has it on the market. And that uh, certainly is a, a cautionary tale, but I can hear someone who may have a great idea, the next great idea that could take off and, and make millions there and be thinking, hey, I should put this on Kickstarter. I should, you know, do something with this idea and then hear you talk and say, well, maybe it's not worth it. So what do you say to those potential yeah. inventors? Yeah, well, first let me say that there is nothing more important than innovation. Uh, and because that's what, that's what changes the world. That's what builds our future. If it weren't for innovation, we'd still be in caves. If it weren't for those key people who do the innovation, the inventors, we would, never, we would be nowhere near where we are now. So I, my, personally, I would use Kickstarter, and I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, it's a great uh, test of do you really have a market? Mm -hmm. if, if you go, if, if your Kickstarter fails utterly, well, you, cause a lot of times we think we have the best invention around. And I know a guy that put something on Kickstarter after spending a lot of money getting to that point and he didn't sell a single unit. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's kind of like you want to do Kickstarter before you spend a lot of money. The other thing is you want to be, you want to apply for a patent or, or, or even at the very least do a provisional patent application. So you have your technically patent pending, but I would say, um, you know what, if you're, if you're going to produce, if you have something that might be as good as what Josh did and might be worth tons and tons of money that all everybody in the world wants to have, or maybe something that could change the world, go for it. And we know the great inventors, Thomas Edison's, the Alexander Graham Bell's, yeah. the, the sort of, are there, are there inventors like that? Do those inventors exist? Is it possible to be an inventor on that? kind of scale anymore oh absolutely i mean i mean we have independent inventors out there to this day in fact at the big corporations they tend to not be the guys that invent the important stuff and i and the reason is that a big corporation is focused on its product lines that it has now 
it's not going to invent itself out of business, right? Right. But a great invention will be will be typically better and more useful or cheaper or whatever than an existing product. So if a company is making money off of an existing product, they have to kind of they can't like like mm-hmm. cannibalize their own profits, yeah, right? Market so share, why, right? That's why, yeah, that's why it's almost always an independent inventor who comes up with something, or or maybe a small team. Usually, it's one or two individuals. And they come up with the thing that's, that's so valuable. Really fascinating look inside the world of inventors and their inventions in the 21st century. Again, uh, Randy Landrino with us this morning, the president of the Inventors Rights Advocacy Group, U.S. Inventor, which we will link up at our webpage as well. Randy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, just as they say that necessity is the mother of invention, millions of people have built their own version of the American dream by filling a need they themselves experience and or see others around them experiencing. Such is the case with Khalid Parekh, uh, who arrived in this country from his native India some 23 years ago with $100 in his pocket, only to find that in, in the American financial industry, the deck is stacked against immigrants like himself. How so, uh, Khalid? What what are some of the challenges that those such as yourself face in in trying to establish themselves in the United States? Uh, Chris, thanks for having me. So, as an immigrant coming to this country with a hundred dollars in my pocket, what I experienced was this wealth gap, or banks not wanting to service people with low uh, low you know low deposit accounts, people mm-hmm. who didn't have a lot of money. They would be rolling up a red carpet for me if I have a couple of hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. Sure. The the reason this is, Chris, is because banking has two main principles, deposits and loans. They take people's money as deposits, charge them a monthly account fees to take the money in, right? And then they don't pay them any, you know, income on the money that is parked over there. And then they basically go ahead and loan that money out to other people and earn five to six percent interest in on that money. So that's typical banking 101. Right. I wanted to solve this challenge by creating a very transparent bank. That's why we call it FAIR. And what we want to do is we want every American to be treated the same, whether you have a thousand dollars in your bank account or whether you have a million dollars in your bank account. FAIR is a subscription-based bank account. Think about Costco, right? You walk into a Costco, you can make a $2,000 a month or you can make $20,000. They don't differentiate with you because everything is, a, is the same member, right? So we have the same, well, same concept is every American wealth building neobank. What I mean by that is FAIR has a wealth building product which is completely insured, money is 100% liquid, where if you park your money with FAIR, you can earn up to 4% annual dividend that's paid to you monthly, you know, and it constantly compounds, constantly compound. So what I wanted to do was, you know, for middle class Americans, people who are uh, minimum wage workers or people who make 12, 15 bucks an hour, they need an opportunity where when the, whatever money they have in the bank account, it needs to grow at a very healthy rate. That's why we created, you know, um, FAIR's 
wealth account. So Fair Banking aims to make some of those basic financial services available to individuals who otherwise would be underserved or unable to avail themselves of such pro- those kinds of products and services in the traditional paradigm, such as what? What are some of the uh, products and services that you can offer? Correct. So FAIR is a single source where a FAIR member can do banking, can do international money transfer, can do lending. You can get a home loan and an auto loan from FAIR. And you can also create, you know, uh, an investment account where you can do create your IRA account, create your health, you know, create your kids 529 plan. You can do all that stuff. Typically, for other big banks or other big financial institutions, you have to have a certain amount of net worth for you to be able to open accounts at, you know, uh, at these big brokerage uh, firms. Right. But with FAIR, you have zero dollar balance requirement. You don't have to have anything, but you can still avail all the services FAIR is offering to every single member. And as you alluded to, it's not just immigrants per se who can benefit from this option. When we talk about underserved segments of the population when it comes to banking and financial services, uh, that certainly includes African-Americans, Latinos, uh, as you mentioned, uh, other uh, low-income or even lower-middle-income individuals. Yes. So an average American spends about $329, $329 in bank fees every year. And African-American and Latino typically spends twice in banking fees as other, uh, you know, other population. And that's what we are trying to do is we are trying to curtail uh, that, that wealth gap between, you know, we want every American to have the same access of highly sophisticated financial products that you can have access to. Now, with respect specifically to the immigrant population, and I'm wondering if if you experience this yourself, would it be accurate to say that uh, sometimes federal regulations on things like money transfers to foreign accounts or requiring social security information to verify a person's identity also contribute to the fact that many immigrants find themselves underserved or underbanked? I mean, these are measures that have over the years been put into place in order to combat terrorism and international crime. But I would imagine that individuals such as yourself could very easily be caught up in that through no fault of your own. Man, you couldn't have said it better, you know, Chris. Um, Every immigrant, you know, that comes to the country, you know, um, wants to open up a bank account. Typically, uh, people who don't have social securities are not allowed to open up bank accounts. Mm Mm-hmm. FAIR is one of the premier neobanks that allow you to open up a bank account without having a social security because we use artificial intelligence-based, you know, KYC process to verify your international documents, to verify your American address and open up a bank account for you. I see because... That was because that was going to be because that was going to be my question. How do you remove those hurdles while still complying with the with the law and what it was intended to do? Yeah. So we are as a federally chartered, you know, you know, subchartered bank. You know, we have to follow all the uh, the, the compliance regulations. So we, you know, um, uh, mitigate risk. We don't avoid risk. We mitigate risk, you know, by by uh, using the most sophisticated technology to verify people's identity, KYC, a- AML all those things. Plus, the most important thing that we have done with FAIR for immigrants 
is we have allowed our my fellow immigrants to send money back home for free with no international transfer fees. Typically, if you use you know bigger uh, outfits, you know you have to pay a nine ninety nine fee to send money to Mexico. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you a classic example. This is taking me uh, thirty seconds to describe. I have a, a friend of mine who owns a construction company that has twenty, uh, and I'm in Houston, Texas. So Texas has a very big population, Latino population. Mm-hmm. So he's got twenty Latino guys working for him that he pays them you know ten bucks an hour, right? Negligible. They go, they get a check every Saturday, you know, because they don't have a bank account. So they go to a check cashing place to check, cash their check. Yeah. The guy who cashes a check on, on a $400 check charges them 2%, 2% to, to cash their check. So he just paid $4 on his $400 or $8 on his, uh, mm. you know, $400 check. Right. Then he stands in the line. Then he stands in the line in Western Union to send $200 to Mexico and he pays $10 to, to send $200 to Mexico, right? How is that fair, right? It's not fair at all. So we, we have completely eradicated that, that as with no social security, you can open up a bank account, you can get your money deposit to your account, and from your account, you can click on two buttons and you can send money back home for free. And, and again, this is about more, as you were alluding to earlier, this is about more than just getting a savings account or a checking account or a debit card or something like that. Your goal is to truly build wealth in these communities, be they uh, immigrants, uh, communities of color, and so on. Absolutely, right? So there's two ways we do this. One is we eliminate extra fees and allow you to do everyday jobs with no transfer fees, no this. So first of all, you're saving money. And the second thing we do is allow you to make more money by a wealth account where you can make up to 4%. So we are trying to solve problems on both sides of the equation. Again, as they say, necessity, the mother of invention, and uh, the way that millions of immigrants over the centuries have have built their own version of the American dream. Here is a modern example. Again, uh, Khalid Parekh, CEO and founder of Fair Banking. Where do we learn more uh, about this? The easiest place to uh, learn is bankwithfair.com, B-A-N-K-W-I-T-H-F-A-I-R, bankwithfair.com. Khalid, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Week number two of the high school football season, and believe it or not, it might actually be warmer tonight than it was for the season opener last week. Looking at the uh, hour-by-hour forecast... Looks like temperatures in the middle 80s by kickoff tonight, down into the low 80s at halftime and upper 70s to around 80 by the end of the game. But it's going to be steamy if you're heading to the game this evening. The Finley Trojans started off the Stefan Adams era with a win over Anthony Wayne last Friday after falling behind in the first half, holding the Generals scoreless in the final two quarters to notch a solid 24-14 victory. This week on the Coach's Corner, our John Marshall caught up with Coach Adams. Can't go undefeated if you don't win the first game. Want to know. Got that right. And when we talked last week, you said the game with Anthony Wayne going to be a real battle. Yeah, I think uh, we, we kind of knew coming in uh, what we had on the perimeter. We knew we had some skill guys out there. Uh, but with that being said, we weren't necessarily battle-tested yet up front. Um, and what we really learned over a half was uh, guys are going to try to take away our, our weapon outside. So they basically all, at times almost had a triple team on Ben Island. 
They had a linebacker sitting underneath. They had a cornerback and then a safety over top. Uh, so at that point in time, we realized, hey, you know what? we got to rely on our big guys. And we put some faith, a lot of faith in those guys and put some stock in them. And uh, we told them we're going to really lean on them in the second half. And they did a great job of really controlling the ball. Um, our defense created some turnovers, and our big guys just warm out. Max Roth, 13 to 23 for 185 yards, three touchdowns. I was proud of him because, you know, I went in at halftime, and, uh, you know, I know just being here before at times, I've seen guys kind of hang their heads a little bit, and during preseason, we make mistakes, we hang our head a little bit, and we've been preaching just body language uh, and understanding that it's a 12 round fight, and you, you got to fight all 12 rounds if you have to. And I was so proud of the guys when I went into halftime. We made adjustments, but the guys were very positive. Huge confidence booster for our kids and just the idea of believing. So I was very proud of them for that. Isaac James in particular came out in the second half, Mm -hmm. gave you the run game that maybe you lacked a little bit before halftime. He did some real nice things. Yeah, no, it was a good change of pace for us. I mean, we started out in the first half, and it was, you know, it wasn't a matter of anybody, one person. It was just we we misfired a couple places. We started off hot, misfired a couple places here. We had a fumble down in the red zone. We had a couple false starts. We got behind the chains. Uh, It was a a collective as a unit. We weren't as sharp as I'd like to see in the first half, but uh, him coming in there at the latter part of the second quarter into the second half really gave us a spark we needed with the physical run game, and we're going to need all our running backs the rest of the season, Uh, but the spark that he provided was really a boost, but more importantly, our big guys being able to handle the trenches uh, was even better for us. You were talking about how in the second half everything started to click offensively. Same goes for the defense. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, all hats go to the, the defensive staff, uh, starting with our coordinator, uh, Justin Gunka, uh, all the way down to Coach Richards and Coach Towsley and Coach Slater and Coach Harp. I mean, those guys put together a good game plan, and you saw in the first half on both sides of the ball, we were just a little small piece away. So we had some good calls. We were in the, the right spots to make plays. We just didn't make them. Uh, but we told the guys, like, hey, listen, the, the, the plays are there to be made. You just got to make them. And it was awesome because I felt like we really fed off each other offensively and defensively. Defense got some stops. Offensively went down there, ran the ball, hit, hit our right passes when we had to. Max made some great plays on the run. Well, that fueled the defense to go make some more plays. Everybody, what I like about this team is we have some guys who really want to make plays. And they, they want to be the guy. Uh, well, that's pretty cool, right? When the ball's in the air, they want to make plays. And I appreciate that because I think we really fed off each other. Well, I want to go in and get one. I'm going to get a pit interception now. Hey, I'm going to get a touchdown now. Uh, it all came together for our guys, and I was really happy for, for the whole group, the collective. Friday night, you head up I-75 to meet the Yellow Jackets at Perrysburg. Oh, yeah. What can you tell me about their squad? Yeah, uh, got a lot of respect for uh, their, their their coaching staff. Uh, Dirk's a great guy, and uh, you know Mike Dancy's a great guy as well, too, D coordinator. A lot of respect for what they do. Um, team-wise, they got a lot of good athletes. Got a lot of long bodies, long arms, long legs. Uh, a, lot, a lot of rangy guys at all spots and positions. Um, they got a great home environment. Uh, one of those games that I really look forward to because it's kind of really good to see what your team's about. Uh, you go into a hostile environment where the student section is one of the best. Um, you go, go into a, a full crowd, and, you know, we're heading into that league here soon, and I'm sure it's going to be a great atmosphere. So I'm excited to get a, get a game against those guys. They have some great talent. Um, like I said before, their running, running back is you know a great ball player, already committed to play baseball, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, quick feet, twitchy, looks very strong, you know, waist down. Um, some big guys up front, and then in their back end, they actually have some really long guys. So, you know, we, we, we really focused this week on getting really good at our fundamentals, uh, preparing for their defense and preparing for their offense and their schemes and their sets. And, and our guys have been really hard at the task of really what we got to do to win this game. And they've worked all week long despite the heat and all the circumstances that we've had so far.
We'll see if the Trojans can put it all together and move to 2-0 and as they travel up north to Perrysburg tonight. Coach Adams makes a good point. In the not-too-distant future, this will be a league contest. Our coverage begins with tonight in high school football from the Ohio News Network right after the 6 o'clock news, followed by Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height with the call. Around 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Other action we are following tonight around the area. Pandora Gilboa travels to Bluffton. That is the game of the week over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. Otsego is at Van Buren, Upper Scioto Valley at Corey Rawson. Ada is at Arlington. That should be a really good one. Waynesfield Goshen is at Arcadia. Crestline travels to North Baltimore. Harden Northern at Riverdale. Lipsick hosts Fairview tonight. Van Lu is at Ridgedale. Marion Local at Macomb. Another really good matchup to watch. Liberty Benton with a long drive to Archbold this evening. And Wapakoneta is at Ottawa Glandorf. And that one on our sister station, 106.3 The Fox. You can follow all of those games and more in real time. On the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com slash scoreboard. It is linked up at goodmornings.net as well. And of course, catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A Florida woman is accused of going to great lengths to get paid without having to go to work. Now, this is a story we can appreciate on a Friday. Uh, Hannah Frith from Panama City, Florida, uh, was actually arrested last week for allegedly defrauding her employer and her co-workers out of paid leave and benefits. Prosecutors say the 33-year-old lied about being pregnant <laughs> and provided fake doctor's notes uh, so that she could collect paid time off for over a year. <laughs> she was doing this. <laughs> faked her own pregnancy to get out of work. You know, I got to think at some point that that scheme, no matter how well conceived it is, pardon the pun, is going to blow up in your face. You know, I mean, of all of the things that you could fake, that's one of the things that eventually you're going to get caught. Uh, in any event, she was out of uh, she was out of work so long that her co-workers donated some of their paid leave to her, and her employer even gave her more than $17,000 in extra benefits for her supposed difficult pregnancy. She was arrested this week for grand theft for defrauding uh, her employers out of the uh, paid time off and benefits. (laughs) Chalk that one up to sounded like a good idea at the time. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this from the international file of the broken news this morning. Now, in Japan, they have very strict gun control laws. Guns are very hard to come by in Japan. And that means that would-be criminals have to get creative (laughs) with their weapons. Um, And there have been stories of uh, criminals waving around large kitchen knives, um, nose hair clippers... Tomoharu Nakamura of Sapporo, Japan, 
wins the prize for maybe the most creatively absurd robbery weapon, a cigarette lighter. (laughs) According to news reports, Mr. Nakamura allegedly entered a store, clicked on his lighter, pointed it at the manager, and said, out with the money or I'll light you up. (laughs) Out with the money or I'll light you up. Uh, Weighing the danger involved, the store manager opted to ignore Mr. Nakamura's request and instead just called the police. (laughs) Mr. Nakamura reportedly resisted arrest and tried to turn his lighter on the cops. (laughs) Needless to say, the suspect was placed under arrest on multiple charges, including assault on a police officer, obstructing police business, and of course, attempted robbery. (laughs) With a cigarette lighter. (laughs) Alrighty. Hey, that can cause some very dangerous, some very severe burns. Don't mess around with cigarette lighters. This is a unique problem for a school district in Kentucky. The Meade County School District is dealing with a group of high school students that are attending school dressing and acting like cats. You heard that right. They're coming to school dressed as and acting like Cats. Superintendent Mark Martin says the costumes violate school dress code and that these situations have been addressed. But a grandparent of one of the students at the school says, apparently, from what I understand, they're called furries. They identify with animals. These people will hiss at you or scratch you if they don't like something you're doing. She says it's been happening since last year, believe it or not. That's just weird. I don't know if this is because of the we can blame the pandemic for this. It's really starting to take its hold. The mental health of some of these students, I think, is. Back to the international file this morning. They say you have to love yourself before you love anyone else. A 28-year-old teacher in the UK says she felt such societal pressure to get married before turning 30. And... The problem was she called off her engagement to her former boyfriend several years ago. And so now everybody, her family, friends have been pressured. You got to get married, got to get married. So Patricia Christine decided to host her own self-commitment ceremony. She decided to marry herself, so to speak. In May of last year, she invited her closest friends, bought herself a ring, flowers, and a bohemian wedding dress. Total cost about 69 bucks. (laughs) During the ceremony, she spoke about self-love and how she hopes that young women will be accepting of themselves regardless of their relationship status. Well, there you go. I actually think that's going to end. Here's what the the kicker on this story is that her self-wedding, she had a destination self-wedding. She did this in Australia. (laughs) So she dragged her family, her friends And all of that to Australia so that she could marry herself and get them off her back. (laughs) If you're going to do it, go big. Go big. I like that. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is a uh, really sweet story, actually, uh, to uh, wrap up the week in the broken news. 
You know that there has been uh, incredibly historic flooding uh, in and around Waverly, Tennessee, the community of Waverly, uh, really hard hit by uh, floodwaters uh, this uh, past week. As a matter of fact, uh, the flooding uh, tragically killed some 20 people in and around the community. More than 17 inches of rain fell uh, in Humphreys County uh, this past Saturday. But there was a little glimmer of hope in the midst of all of the destruction at the uh, Waverly Church of the Nazarene. They discovered a toy from the nursery at the church uh, was untouched. It was a toy Noah's Ark that was found floating in the floodwater. Uh, some of the residents in Waverly say that the Noah's Ark toy has become something of a hopeful sign as the uh, town starts to recover from the historic flooding. Of all of the toys to find floating in the water, Noah's Ark. That's really sweet. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. So we are talking about uh, innovative inventions earlier uh, this morning, talking all about inventions. And check this out. Manchester City, the Manchester City Soccer Club, uh, champions of the English Premier League this year, are championing the cause of reducing landfill waste. They have come up with an idea for edible coffee cups at their stadium. They're serving... Beverages and edible coffee cups is kind of like an ice cream cone. They say uh, it will stay leak proof for 12 hours. And even more amazingly, it remains crunchy for a full 45 minutes, which is the exact duration of one half of a football match. So you have your coffee and then go back at halftime and get another crunch on your cup. They say it's delicious. The only thing that, made me stop and think who goes to a sporting event and drinks coffee. <laughs> Those crazy Brits. Oh, yeah. Time now for, for your, it's true story. Uh, time now for your uh, daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. So um, not all that long ago, and we've been talking about this, the FDA has granted now full approval to the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, for COVID-19 and uh, with the uh, grant of full approval and of course the uh, spread to the Delta variant, uh, a lot of employers, well, I don't know if I would say a lot, many employers uh, either are considering or already have put in place a requirement that their employees be vaccinated against COVID-19 as a, a an employment condition. Well, a new Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs poll finds that half of American workers agree with the policy of a vaccine mandate for their workplaces. Split 
just about right down the middle. People who are working remotely were more in favor of vaccine requirements for their workplaces because I guess they're not there. Uh, 59% compared to 47% support among those who are currently working in person. But still, it's right down the middle. Kind of interesting. About one quarter of remote and in-person workers are opposed to it. And the rest are kind of ambivalent. The percentages were similar when it came to mask requirements for workplaces. 59% of remote workers in favor, 50% of in-person workers, 29% opposed. Now, it's interesting, this poll was conducted actually before the Food and Drug Administration gave full approval to the Pfizer vaccine. And so those numbers may have changed since, but uh, it is interesting nonetheless and demonstrates just how divided we are as a nation in this question of the vaccine and more specifically vaccine requirements. And maybe... That is one of the things that is driving this. A new study from Glassdoor shows the number of online job searches for remote work climbed 460% between June of 2019 and June of this year. Uh, So certainly the pandemic is fueling interest in working remotely. 460% jump in online job searches for remote work. The data also revealed the jump in interest in those types of uh, jobs is evident in a wide range of positions. It's not just limited to one industry or one type of position. The uh, Glassdoor report says the numbers have leveled off recently, but still remain very high despite businesses reopening their offices. Okay, so here's the here's the deal. We are uh, originating the program from the home studio this morning. We're in the bunker. And about uh, 10, 15 minutes ago, I started smelling something. And lo and behold, it's my wife who is already up baking already this morning. I don't know if she's trying to torture me or what are you doing one of the uh, recipes here or is this something uh, I else? I did one of the recipes here. That you was did. yesterday. I did I did the pecan brownie pie. So that's yesterday. not what you're so that's yeah. not what you're doing no, here this that's, morning. The pecan brownie pie is what's going to the city mission for oh. the Jubilee. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So the, what I'm doing today is going to the church for uh a uh, so welcome this is- for our new uh uh, director of communications at oh. church. So, so this is something totally different that you're uh, baking this morning Correct. here at the. Yes, I was baking yesterday for the city mission and. So for you church are just doing and... it to torture me. Yes, I am doing it to torture you. Anyway, I my... did one brownie bite did fi- fa- uh, fall on the floor. So if you would like that one, you oh can well, have thank it. you, you're thank welcome. you very much. I you know. <laughs> I was going to give it to the dog. My, but no. <laughs> my wife so loves me so much. <laughs> you can have one. Well, thanks very much. Much for uh, dropping by. We'll just move on now. Uh, no, uh, my wife Kyra has joined us in the uh, studio here uh, for another collection of easy and delicious recipes from Kyra's kitchen. And uh, this morning, uh, kind of going south of the border. Yes. Uh, our first recipe is a baked Mexican chili pasta. Yes. Okay. So you have uh, one pound of ground beef. 
uh, one onion chopped, two cans of chili beans, uh, one tablespoon of taco seasoning, one can of diced tomatoes and green chilies, uh, half a pound of elbow macaroni, and four cups of shredded Mexican uh, cheese blend divided. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Coat a 9 by 13 inch baking dish with nonstick cooking spray. Then in a large skillet, brown your uh, ground beef uh, with your onion over medium heat. Then drain. Um, Add the beans, the taco seasoning, and the tomatoes. Cover and cook for about 10 minutes, stirring occasionally. Um, Some of that juice is going to um, steam off. So, mm-hmm. so it'll it'll get thicker. Okay. Um, meanwhile, cook the macaroni according to the package directions and drain. Then, in a large bowl, combine your chili, your macaroni, and your three cups of cheese. Mix that well. Put it in your baking dish. Top with your remaining uh, cheese. Bake for about twelve to fifteen minutes, or until heated through and the cheese is melted. And enjoy. So cheesy mac. Uh, yeah, sort with, of like a with kind of a, a Mexican flair. Yeah, it has uh, the chili it. powder in it. Chili powder, mm-hmm. powder in the yep. onion, and yep. and yep. all of that. And so. you'll want to this. You'll want to put cheesy mac. You don't usually have to put in the oven, but you'll want to put this in the oven well, to yeah, melt you're the baking. cheese. Yeah, you're baking yeah. it in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. So the uh, baked Mexican chili pasta, and I have to say, when I first read the the title of the yeah. recipe, I'm thinking. Mexican pasta. That's yeah. a little uh, little yeah. different, but yeah, yeah it sounds uh, yummy. And to go along, uh, Mexican cornbread muffins. Yes. So, so again, what is the difference between, well, I guess we'll find out yeah, in the recipe, we'll find the out. difference yes. between regular muffins. And Mexican. Because <laughs> people who may be listening in the Deep South say, well, that's just wrong. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Mex- Some of it, if they like a kick, then it might just oh, that's be true. right. A little Tex-Mex <laughs> Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, two packages of Jiffy Corn Mix, two eggs, two-thirds cup of buttermilk, one can of chopped green chilies drained. So that's where you get the Mexican. Yeah, there you and go. if you do the hot ones, then you get, you know, really Mexican. So well, that's I a good point mild. because yeah. you can really, when yeah. it, it calls for green chilies, but yep. you can, oh, you can put get in the hot whatever. Ones, the mild ones, yeah. you know, yeah. Use whatever chilies yep. you like. Yep. Then one cup of shredded cheese and four to five dashes of pepper sauce. So make it even hotter. Preheat your <laughs> oven to 425 degrees. Mix all your ingredients together. Pour in to greased muffin tins. I line mine. You don't have to, but I do. Um, It's just easier to get them out of the muffin tins. Uh, Cook for 10 to 13 minutes until golden brown, and then enjoy. My wife, Kyra, bringing on the heat here this morning. (laughs) And then for dessert, it is the pecan brownie pie. So So this is the thing for the the Southerners who are saying, well, that's just not right to mess with your cornbread muffins. Uh, we're going to make it up to you with a uh, pecan brownie pie. <laughs> yes, there yes. you go. So uh, one pie crust, uh, one fudge brownie mix, uh, your water, vegetable, and oil that is called on your brownie mix. Um, use If you see three eggs, use two eggs to make it more fudgy. You want the fudgy brownie okay. mix, okay? All right. A uh, half a cup of pecan halves, a quarter cup of Heath Bits, uh, half a cup of baked brown sugar, one tablespoon, or uh, uh, packed brown packed sugar, brown sugar sorry, yeah. sorry about that, That's packed right. brown sugar, one tablespoon of light corn syrup, and one teaspoon of vanilla. Um, uh, so 
to prevent your um, crust from going dark. Um, if you can put foil around your crust or or something like that, okay. that's perfect. Okay, um, there you go. Or hack. I have a little silicon thing that I got from Liberty Benton's when they were selling it, and I put that around it. Oh, okay. So, All yes, right, so a little really kitchen nice. hack yep. there for you, a little baking yep. hack. Yep. So heat your oven to 350 degrees, place pie crust in a nine-inch nine glass uh, pie pan, plate um, as directed on the box um, uh, for your crust. Mix your brownie mix as directed on the box using, like I said, your water, your Your oil, oil, your your, your egg, two eggs. Uh, Pour your batter into a crust-lined plate. Bake for 45 minutes. Then in a medium bowl, um, mix together your pecan halves, your heath bits, your brown sugar, your corn syrup, and your vanilla. Uh, sprinkle your pecan mixture over the partially baked pie. Uh, bake for another 15 minutes longer. This could get a little messy, <laughs> so you might want to put your pie at this point on a baking sheet, which is what I ended up doing. So that the overflow Correct. doesn't get down there and make get a down, mess of the yeah, oven. Make yeah, make a mess of the oven, because mm-hmm. um, this could get messy. And then, um, like I said, cover your edges with foil or your silicone um uh, around your, the edge of your um, pie crust uh-huh. and let it bake for another 15 minutes, then cool completely on a cooling rack for about two hours. And it's good to go. Yes. Great stuff there for you. The Mexican, the baked Mexican chili pasta. Yes. The Mexican cornbread muffins. And for dessert, a pecan brownie pie. Yes. We've got those recipes posted on our Facebook page, of course, and also linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, with her recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this week. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning and all week long. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day at our webpage, goodmornings.net. You can also sign up for our daily email newsletter, connect with us on social media, contact us directly via email, catch up on anything you've missed throughout the course of the entire week. Again, it all starts at our webpage, our little corner of the World Wide Web at goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. And now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.